Hello everybody and welcome back to Julian Joe's Was Live in the 90s. Today I have a very special guest for you, somebody that I worked with uh, on several occasions but mostly and mainly on a show called Recovery which was a three hour live music show. I'd like to introduce to you all Dr. Karen Sutherland. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today and what a, what a uh, delight. Thanks for having me on the show. I, I can't wait for this little walk down memory lane, it'll be fun. It was, we do have a lot to talk about, and it was, we did have some fun back in the day, hey? We sure did. So we met on yeah. a show called Recovery. I think I started in 1998 on that show as the makeup artist, and yeah. you joined, I believe, in 1999, you, you joined us? Yes. So when I joined, they'd moved the show out of the uh, the studio, and it was we did it out of a house in Elwood. If you remember that. That's right, I do. Yes. So it was my very first job out of university. I was the production secretary. And, yeah, it was a great experience because I did a lot of admin, but I was also, by the end, I was writing scripts and and filming and producing segments and things like that as well. But I remember when we were working together, when my main job on that Saturday morning when it was live was uh, ferrying the guests from the ABC studios to the house in Elwood, which was always very interesting. It was, and early in the morning on a Saturday. Very early in the morning, <laughs> yes. So, I mean, there were so many huge bands. This is the thing. I mean, I, I remember I was probably working six or seven days a week back in those days, and yeah, wow. I actually forgot half the bands that came on. Do you remember anyone exceptional that, that came on? Silverchair was one. Yes. Uh, they didn't do many. I, I remember we was at, they were actually going to do performances, but in the house on the Saturday morning. But the neighbours complained of <laughs> the noise, so they do you blame do them? Performances. Yeah. I, I know, right? Yeah. So, um, so in the end, they just interviewed them. But yeah, like I, it's, I, I can't, I can't re- remember. There were really, I there were so Australian many bands and, and some internationals. Yeah. I remember some of them were, were when I was driving them. They clearly hadn't um, gone to sleep the night before and were like trying to climb out the windows of the car. Like <laughs> <laughs> I remember. And I was driving them, and you know, luckily they managed to be like because yeah, I, I was just like this fresh faced like twenty one, twenty two year old in my first job out of uni, like with. <laughs> and there's band members. Like, get people back in the car. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they were doing all night gigs. You know, they would get up late, what, Friday and do a gig Friday yeah. night and then stay awake and then come and do yeah. our show. Oh. Come to the studio. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, it was, it was so memorable. We really must do a recovery podcast and maybe get you back for some um, to walk down that memory lane a bit deeper and more personally. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. so then so then you, so you did that for a few years and then you moved on to the games with – John Clark. That's right. So that was in 2000. So that was for the 2000 Olympics. Yeah. And we, the production office, we actually moved at, to the Moorabbin Town Hall and they had actually, where they did all the office sort of scenes, they, that was in the Moorabbin Town Hall as well. So we sort of had a little office there and then they had some of the sets there too. Yes. So that had um, Gina Riley as well. That's right. And yeah, that was amazing to work on. Just, I, came, I was a script coordinator then. I do remember because I came out and helped a few times with my girlfriend, Simone, who headed up 
hair and makeup for that show. And I do recall bumping into you at the Moorabbin Town Hall doing hair and makeup yeah. out there. Yeah, that was a, a – it, it's. I mean, we do comedy so well sometimes, don't we, Australia? I think we do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with John Clark, like, oh, my goodness. Like, I just remember he was just funny all the time. Like, even when I remember he was ringing up to query his electricity bills. And, <laughs> like, and I was, like, really on the floor. Like, just he, he's, he was just such a funny person yeah. that even doing, you know, mundane, everyday tasks, he would make them hilarious. I know, and he had this great way of, you know, like having no expression on his face so you couldn't work out whether he's serious or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very clever man. And Gina Riley, of course. We all know that. Yeah. Um, and then you moved on to from there to Channel 9 Stingers. That's right. So that was um, Simpson and the Measure of Production. So we worked out at Abbotsford and that was – oh, actually, before that, I did a little stint in the ABC marketing area and oh. then I moved on to Stingers. Yeah, I was only there for like maybe a month or something and oh, then I, yeah. moved, I moved on. Ooh, um, but, that could have been yeah, the birth. I, that could have been yeah, the birth was, place. <laughs> I know, I know. It was an interesting job but because I was very low on the on the pecking order so I was doing a lot of like actually just sending out VHS tapes and so wow. uh, I started to look around. <laughs> That's how old it was, yeah. yeah. Like we said, we'd send out VHS tapes to the um, journalist who would cover, you'd do all the sort of um, preview, you know, preview writing of what was coming and the TV guides and all that sort of stuff. Wow. Uh, so that was my main job. So, yeah, it was okay. But I, I think I wanted something a bit more. And so I went for a role at, at yeah, on Singer. So I was the script coordinator on that show as well. So I was there for, I think, a couple of years on there, working out of Abbotsford at the old, I think it was like the CUB brewery it was uh, this old building and they had a lot of the sets on site there too oh one of my favorite actresses was on that i met her for the first time kate kendall she was lovely yeah she's really lovely and she now does some directing um but there were the whole cast on that like that that was the birth of so many stars that stingers i recall Yeah, mm. and it was just interesting sitting in, like, uh, even though the bulk of my job was really putting in script amendments and doing photocopying, but <laughs> I uh, just just sitting in there on the story conferences and things, and when they were making up like the story arcs and what was happening each going to happen each um each series and things like that, it was so interesting just to see how they they actually did that and worked it out. Totally, and that team was like an A team. So when you were learning from them, you had the best of the best sitting in there with you. So that was no doubt very helpful for you in the now. Yeah, totally. You know, just seeing how a story is constructed and and how each character is very different and it has their own journey and how they, they sort of weave together throughout yeah. the, the whole, you know, the, the whole um, series. Yeah. yeah, really interesting. Isn't it? And then you then you moved on to an even harder, more complex storyline i i say in the sense that because we were plummeting out so many episodes per day was neighbors and you did them for three years that's right so neighbors and neighbors was a completely different job altogether so Mm. i was hired as the web and communications coordinator and so my job that was when neighbors was on the bbc and it was being shown twice a day that's when it was really not at its height of its popularity but it was still very popular yeah and my job was to 
create website content for, for the BBC yep. Neighbours site and coordinate with UK journalists. So, and it would be things like um, they would email me the questions and then I would go and interview the cast member and then transcribe the recording and then send it back to them. <laughs> so that's that, like it was, I, I made it happen. The other thing was, we used to do these, I tell my students this at the university, so like just how different it was. So there was no sort of social media where people could talk directly to the actors. So we did this thing where it was a, um, a web chat once a month with one of the actors. So the actors had would have to stay up for a UK time to do it. And mm. so it was terrible. The time was terrible. But what they had to do, they'd have someone in the studio at BBC and and looking at the message board, a fan would write a question on the message board on the website and then they would tell the, the actor on the phone and then the actor would tell them the answer and then they would type, the, the BBC would type the answer on the message board. Oh and so, <laughs> so now you could do like, you know, live Instant. video and things like yeah. that. Whereas, yeah, that, that was like the, that was like the top tier of technology uh, for its day. So it's really changed a lot. So you you were actually it. You were the technology in the day, basically. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, totally. Amazing. And so I had to write a, like a news article every day for the BBC website about Neighbours and some well, days they were not so good. Like <laughs> Trying to work out what to, what to scramble up. What am I going to do? And I, I, and, and I think sometimes the cast would see me covering and they'd run. Like, oh. <laughs> Because they'd be like, I need a story. Give me a story. Sure. And, I'm pretty sure you came yeah. into the makeup room a couple of times because I, oh, yeah. I was there full time for a couple of years and I do recall you yeah. being there. So I think I interviewed you too. Oh, you probably <laughs> did. Yeah. <laughs> we had enough to talk yeah. about. And, you know, this is the thing, isn't it? And this is the skill that you get to how do you communicate such um, high profile action without giving too much away legally and also protecting the talent and the show itself. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it took me a while to really build trust with the, the cast as well because I was from the BBC and so really I was really employed through Fremantle Media by the BBC and so, yeah, they, they took them a while for them to sort of open up a bit more with me because I was sort of like, who's this person? Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, but and the thing is I also had to think about the timing of everything because there was what was being shot there and then, there was what was being aired in Australia and then what was being aired in the UK because it was all very, they're all on different timelines. And so I had to be really mindful of that about what I actually wrote the articles about. Oh, that is so hard. Yeah. That is so yeah. hard unless, of course, you, you uh, by then you would have had a, a system in place that... Oh, I, you know, and I knew it was almost time to leave when I actually started dreaming about Harold. Oh. <laughs> and and not, in, not in a bad way. No. But he would just appear as a character in my dreams and yeah. I'm like, oh, because, you know, it was it becomes your whole life because it is, it's, it's a machine. Yep. Neighbors, and they they turn out as you said so many episodes per week, mm. and like nothing really stops it. Like mm. when I was there, uh, there like one of the cast members was fired, and then also that was when um, Paul Delta had 
um, she was diagnosed with with cancer and she had to leave suddenly, of course, to have treatment. And yes. the, the show still went on, like the writers sort of rode around it and, and um, nothing really stopped it from continuing. They're phenomenal. Yeah. They're yeah. machines. And we've discussed on our podcasts earlier in the season that uh, it's, it's no wonder so many of us get continuous work because if you work for a machine like that, you know, yeah. we have a few going in Australia, but mainly home and away and neighbours. And you, you you really have to learn running, don't you? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, and totally. there's not... Like, cause, yeah, it's, it's, it's just continued. Like, it, mm. it, doesn't, it doesn't stop. And there's only four weeks of production a year. Yeah. And everyone has those four weeks at that point. I know. <laughs> I think it's. I think they've changed it to six weeks now. I think. Oh wow! I think. Okay. But yeah. Well, it's coming back. Like I, yeah. I, I sort of suspected it wasn't going to go completely. <laughs> so because uh, I knew someone would save it. So. Well, and fantastic. A, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, that final episode, I think, was a really good ratings puller for them, and then. Yeah, like I'm glad that someone saved it because it's like a piece of Australian history now. It I, is. I just, you know. But it's not only that. It's sort of like not not to diminish um, or demean their um, legacy or their possibilities. It's like Channel 31, which is a, a, a younger production. It offers so many talent and crew the opportunity to learn real-time having responsibility and moving forward every single day. Yeah, and, and just the process yeah. of of production yeah. because, yeah, like, because it happens so quickly as well. Like, mm. and, and I think when I've seen some of the actors who sort of gone on to movies and stuff, how they said they were so grateful for their time on Neighbours because that it forced them to, they just had to learn their lines quickly, go out and do it and just, and it really got them to perfect their craft much faster yeah. than if they were just started on movies, which often takes, you know, months and months to actually produce. Yep. And it's filmed slower, slower, slower. Yeah. <laughs> Take a lot more time to set up, a lot more time to pack down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're huge. Movies are huge. And there's a lot more the, – the difference between the, a lot of films and – um, series is that a lot of the series, most of the equipment and the staging and the lighting and all of that is fixed. So it's something mm. you walk into every day, whereas movies, you're quite yep. often moving all of that equipment yep. and setting up in a new location. It ta- yep. takes a lot of time. And there's also yeah. only one sh- one actual show being filmed at a time as opposed to Neighbours yes. being two at a time. Yeah. So then you – had an epiphany and wanted to stop dreaming about Harold <laughs> <laughs> and moved on to Monash Uni. Is that right? Well, no, actually. Huh? No, well, I, did, I actually did what all, um, you know, typical neighbours people do yeah. in the storyline and I moved to Queensland. And, and it was only there for a couple of years. But, yeah, so I moved – my partner at the time, we both moved up to Brisbane. And then I, I did a couple of jobs here and there. I – went for a, a meeting at Channel 10 up there 
but I, I, I sort of blew it. Like, <laughs> I don't think there was any jobs there anyway, really, because it's such a small pool up in Brisbane in terms of television. That it so is. So it's really hard to get work. I mean, it's, it's hard to get work in television anywhere, but particularly up there because it's such a small industry. Yeah. And I think at that stage, we when we moved up to Brisbane, we were both thinking, oh, what have we done? <laughs> yeah. And we, we were sort of talking about, oh, do we go back? And so I sort of, you know, in my um, naivety in this meeting with the marketing department at 10 in Brisbane, sort of voiced this a little bit, like, I'm not sure if we'll stay. And they were like, well, you know, why are we even meeting then? And it wouldn't have worked anyway because they're on Mount Kusa uh, and we didn't even have a car or anything at that stage. So, so that sort of sealed that deal. And so Neighbours was my last TV Job. And then when I was up in Brisbane, I ended up, my longest job up there was with the Australian Red Cross Blood Service. And so I was working in marketing and communication there. Wow. So that was really good. And I, I learned a lot because because in non-profits, they don't have a lot of money. So you're sort of doing everything in, yeah. in that sort of area. So that was really good. And then, uh, then we moved back in, gee, it must have been maybe 2005, 2006. And then I did a little stint at um, Spotlight, not Spotlight, um, Spotless. Yeah. So Spotless services in their internal communication area. It was for like an OH&S program. Yeah. And I then I moved on to Monash. So then I got a job as a research community, no, what was it? No, a campus marketing manager. And it's a Berwick campus and Peninsula campuses. And then I moved into the research communications role, which was really good. It was hard because I had to go around and basically act like a translator with all the researchers to find stories to then share and promote the research of the university on the web and in the media and things like that. So that was a really cool job. Wow, yeah. Uh, Yeah, and then that came to an end. Sort of my contract ran out in, I think it was about 2010, 2011, and I, um, I was at a crossroads. So I was offered a role that, Big money at the university, but I will say at a university. But it was it was basically communicate. They were doing going to do a lot of redundancies, and it was my job if I took it to make it sound like a positive thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I was so there was that opportunity, or I had the opportunity to uh, become a, an assistant lecturer um, at very entry level, which was a lot less money than I was getting. And so I'm like. Mm, do I sleep at night or, um, you know, or go for the money or can I, I'd rather have less than sleep at night. So I chose the lecturing role and I haven't looked back since then. Wow. So, yeah, so it was the right decision. Well, congratulations. And then that leads into, so what made you then decide, did you, while you were doing, while you were in that business, did you start creating your own opportunity? What happened then? So, yeah, well, when I was, so when I, I was, I started as an assistant lecturer at, at Monash in PR, and then I was doing that for a few years. And they were, they were again, sort of my contract was coming up. While I was also doing that, I was actually living on campus as a college head. So I used to, uh, I started off as a deputy where I was in one of the halls of residence, and I was helping to look after the students who lived there as well as doing my lecturing roles. So that was that was interesting. I did that for five years. I ended up as the college head of a hall called Jackamoss. That was a brand new hall. Wow. And so it had 300 residents and I was the first person to ever live there. 
and I had about 15 volunteers and some staff and that was a steep learning curve because I'd never really had to deal with a budget or, or staff or manage anyone before. My first year was absolutely terrible. <laughs> I was not given much training in management. The second, I, but I, I turned it around in the second year, but it, I learned a lot, so that was good. You, and, you um, remembered that you were trying to stop talent from jumping out of cars. Yeah, so yeah, you that's manage right. this. So, yep. <laughs> yep. So, so I got, I got there, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I wasn't. I mean, that's not their fault either. Like. But, yeah, just managing, actually being thrown in the deep end and managing people um, for the first time, I think, is always can be quite scary. So, for But sure. I learned a lot. Yeah. And then after that, that's when um, I was – I heard about a job going up at the University of the Sunshine Coast as a lecturer in public relations. And so they flew me up for the interview and and I got it. And so I moved, I moved up. Yeah, I've met, so I've been in Coolum Beach ever since. So I moved up in 2015. And then over time, so while I was up here, I finished my PhD. I did that at Monash, but I did the final year remotely. Yeah. So did my PhD and then uh, built like a, like a social media major sort of discipline at the university. So that's my main focus. And then in, um, when was it, 2020, I met these people. So one was a client. I was doing sort of consulting work for social media and I met this guy who's a entrepreneur. He was living in Bangladesh at the time and then he was also taking English lessons from this lady called Gina in Denver who was a web and search engine optimization expert and she said, and he said, well, we should come get together and do something. And so then we actually built our digital marketing agency called Darana Digital. And so I now still work full-time at the university, but I also co-own that. And so we help people working in the wellness space. So wellness businesses, everything from like mindset coaches to yoga teachers and things like that. So we help them with their social media and websites and search engine optimization. And so that's been ticking along for the last couple of years too. What? So in 2020, you started this digital web marketing program with somebody an entrepreneur and then in the same year you were also the winner of media marketing awards as best social media educator of the year yeah yeah so (laughs) so as soon as you're born you win a prize that's incredible yeah well i think that was that was more on um based on my work at the university i think okay so yeah, Still. but it's been yeah really fun and interesting. And and the funny thing is, like with this um, agency, we've so we've been alive for like three years, and we've never met in person. <laughs> we've never met, but we 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 meet regularly online, of course. Yeah. and we have three three uh, employees. One's in one's on the Sunshine Coast, one's in Bangladesh, and the other is in Spain. And yeah, we we function really well. We just have never met in person. What a great story, though, because there's so many businesses <laughs> where they start a business and it's like it can go up or down quite easily yeah. either way. So congratulations on that, and to your team. I mean, yeah, it, thank it, you. Yeah, it takes you know it 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 takes removing your ego and focusing on the positives and you know all coming in together and making it work with your expertise. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. We've got, we've, all of us have got different expertise. So uh, I think if we were like had the same, it would be harder. And yeah. I think too, we've we've been in it 
for the long haul. So we've all got like um, our kid who's the, he was from Bangladesh. He now lives in the Netherlands. So he's an engineer. So he's got a, a, a day job and uh, and Gina in Denver, like she has her own. She's got a few things on the boil as well. So this wasn't our only thing. And I'm, I've got my own full-time job as well. So we were allowed, you know, we had the space and the support to just let it grow gradually and be patient as well and just chip away over time because I think sometimes with small businesses if you want things to happen overnight like it's it's much harder for that to work yeah I think it's in the doing isn't it like do you have the idea and do it and don't try and slam dunk everything in one hoop at the one time yeah and it takes time like people will only sort of buy from you or use your services if they trust you and it takes time to build trust. Like, it, it's sure. not going to happen overnight. Well, I mean, that's one reason why I wanted to get you on today because I know you, I trust you, and I can see all the things that you implement and do. And I'm like, wow, there's so many people in social media and in ma- mainstream media that you and I both know that could so do with these services that you um, supply people with. And we will, yeah. we will get into that for sure. But I just then wanted to talk to you quickly about then. So there were 60, 60 entries for the Raw Award, and you got Best Social Media Educator. You won the silver for that yes. in twenty twenty two. Yeah, so that was last year. So that was yeah, that's right. So that that was um, the Raw Awards, the national awards. Yeah, and yeah, so I just put in about because it's not just on sort of ticking the boxes they also like to find out more about your own sort of personal values and and those sorts of things so yeah I was, I was really um excited to win that good so yeah and you do have those great personal values that's what makes you good at what you do so and you know you're you're very used to um being careful in private space and in public space and you understand you know privacy and yeah, there's so many things I know you understand. I'm going to ask you some questions on that down the track. Sure. So, so yeah, were you expecting to get these awards, or no, no. no not at all? And, and I went to the I had uh, Christy Morris, Dr. Christy Morris, who's a friend of mine, but she also she works at the uni with me, and she works at um, our agency as well. She came along for the actual award ceremony, and. Like, I didn't even hear that they called my name. Wow. <laughs> they just, like, tapped me on the shoulder and she said, it's you. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, um, and got up. I was too busy, like, eating snacks. That's so. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I found myself in that situation once at a dog show. My dog won first prize and, oh, yeah. and the whole stadium was screaming. I'm like, who are they screaming at? You. It's oh, And that's God. a great <laughs> feeling, isn't it? Because it's so – you <laughs> you're then – astonished and uh, uh, yeah you know and it's it's such a it's a raw feeling then it's all very authentic yeah yeah good on you and so how did that make you feel after all these years slogging it out yeah oh it's nice it's, it's, it's always nice to get some recognition i think like but then i don't you know i allow myself to enjoy it and celebrate it and then i think okay now i've got to move on to the next thing so it's um I think, you know, I think it's good to celebrate these things, but mm. you, I don't think you should make it part of your identity. No. And Yeah, so it's always good to do that. But, yeah, but I, it was nice getting getting some recognition for the work that I do because 
yeah, I, and I enjoy the work that I do too. So I'm really, I feel really lucky that I get to do what I do. That's it. I can see the smile in your eyes. So I know, <laughs> I know it to be true. And yeah, I was so proud of you when I saw that you got these awards, and I was like, I, I so have to. I, I thought about when I first thought about doing podcasting I thought I'm gonna to have to get Karen on I think one day and then I saw your second award I'm like there's so much to talk about now I'm so excited <laughs> but you know because you're a bit younger than me at work so I always had this like I don't know endearing relationship with you when you would come up and ask me questions and yeah. I was like oh this beautiful girl but now you're not a girl you're a woman but when I'm, I'm an old woman but what I, what I used to love though is that you always seem to know when I needed a hug and <laughs> And, and, yeah, it was just – you just had this, like – you just, like, knew. And uh, and it was always just really lovely. So I'd, I always – my interactions with you were always really positive. Oh. And you could tell that just you just actually genuinely cared about the people that you worked with, and it was really nice. Yeah, I did. Especially I, – I think I did better back then. No, I do I do well <laughs> now too. It's, it's just reading people's eyes, isn't it? It's such a – Sometimes it's such a really exhausting business to be in because you're you're up at four four thirty, mm. you're home at nine nine thirty ten midnight, four yeah. or five hours sleep, and you do it all again. So if we don't have each other's backs at work and just have those little personal moments, how do you get through? You can't just get through on an oil rag every single day. So yeah, and, that's so true. And reading people's eyes is easy and it's a quick thing to be nice. You don't Yeah. It doesn't take much. So anyway, you're yeah. you're more than welcome, honey. You were well receptive of it as well. So there you go. Not everyone is. Thank you. <laughs> so so not only are you experienced in the mainstream media, now you have this phenomenal social media and I know there's so many listeners out there that need your advice. And they need your guidance, whether it be a celebrity who can't handle their experience of, like, get their expansive pages. You know, they're getting more and more famous and, and probably getting more and more hate messages as well to go along with that. And there's, yeah. there's also more and more small businesses. A lot of people are now choosing social media as a, as a small business. And, you know, without giving too much away, what what's a really great – Thing for let's say that we've got a celebrity listening to us right now because we know there's a few listeners out there that are our friends and they're really struggling with responding and do I respond, how do I respond? Can someone like you take their account and turn it around? Look, of course, but you need to train, you need to train the person doing it. Yeah. So uh, just to make sure that they are responding in a way that, you would want them to as well and it's good to just I guess really have some clear processes in place about how that would work when you if there's like something that should be flagged to you those sorts of things so I think I think it can work but even if um, there's sort of some not really canned responses but I guess just getting someone to get a feel for how you write. And now it's getting easier to do that with things like AI because you can actually train AI like ChatGPT over time to actually sound like you. So I think it's going to be much easier for people to to do that. And I think it's good in a sense 
uh, I mean, I, I know people would like to manage their own so they're more genuine and stuff, but it's just the volume. And I think if you're going to do that, you need to be really clear and set yourself boundaries of how much time I am I actually going to spend on this because you could sit on there forever. Mm. So, yeah, so, I mean, maybe there's you have someone there to feel because you'll get a lot of rubbish as well uh, in your in your comments uh, and, and messages and things like that. So it's really around maybe getting someone, teaching them how to weed the stuff out that you don't need to respond to first and then responding then or having processes in place so and using tools to try and free up your time a bit more. Okay. Oh, well, that's that's good. So they're actually, some of them are still being personable but somebody's helping them read through the yeah. bad yeah. stuff. I think, yeah. I think, I mean, that's right because I think you want, I mean, if the people are genuinely following you and, you know, are your fans, like they would love you to get back to them yeah. and in a genuine way but, on the flip side of that, if you're that famous, like if it, you, you could you could spend all day on there and you still wouldn't get through them all. So mm. it's really working out the best way for you to manage that interaction with fans, but doing it in a way that it's not sort of taking over your whole life. That's great. And so those of us that are really popular in the world and we just have a a, um, a, a private account. <laughs> we can do the same. Yeah. Hire somebody to go through. That solves everything. <laughs> doesn't it? Doesn't it what? Too busy, too busy. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm only joking. Too busy, too yeah. busy. So, okay. So, you know, what about somebody, say, obviously parents listening, I think probably one of the scariest things is having like your 14, 15, 16-year-old child starting up their first account. Have you got any tips for those people? Because it, it really is a moment, isn't it? Like privacy and bullying and all those sorts of things. Yeah. And I think it's really around education. And, I mean, we teach kids how to sort of dissect the media. Like we, we teach them when they're watching a movie that it's not real, you know, and we need to sort of do that with social media and have their training wheels on, wheels on before they're actually allowed to be like free reign on there as well uh, without parental supervision. Right. So it's really teaching them that not everything on there is as it seems. You know, there might be people on there who aren't, who that might be presenting as a, as a kid or someone their own age on there, but they could actually be quite an old man, yep. you know, and just teaching them around that sort of stranger danger online and also, yeah, like what to do if, if they are being bullied and not to hide it and to let people know what's going on as well. Mm. So, yeah, was, and about not sharing personal information on there. Ah, that's a good one, not sharing personal information like date of birth, how old you are, where you live, maybe maybe just the state rather than your suburb, things like that, and train your kids up yeah. on, on how far you go with that. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, and not being in, in your school uniform on there as well, like simple things. It's easy for people to identify where you are and who you are if you're not careful. Wow, that's brilliant. That That's like everyone should know that one. Don't let your kids be in their school uniform in their photos. They're great. Yeah, one. well, I mean, a lot of parents are actually guilty of doing that as well on their own social media, of putting their kids on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you see, like when school starts each year, like they're everywhere. So yeah. just being really, yeah, just being really mindful about it. Absolutely. 
And look, also bullying is such a big thing. I mean, I look, I even know, we all know there was a celebrity in New South Wales a few years ago that she couldn't take all the bullying that she was getting. She took her own life. Yeah. Um, how, what is, the, what is the right response in your own mind? And if you do respond back, so the two separate questions, what, how do you process that bullying? What do you do with it? And if you do answer back, what are some things you might want to say that are very simple rather than getting complex about it? I mean, I, I wouldn't even respond. I would just block straight away. Like if, if no one has to put up with that sort of stuff. Like, um, and just making sure that you're, you can lock your, your settings down so that you're only able to receive comments and things from people that you know. So not, and that you're connected with. How do they do and, that? Well, it's all in the privacy settings. So it depends on the platform. Yep. But, yeah, you can you can just make it so that you're only interacting with people that you're connected with. Got it. So, yeah. And, I mean, it, but it happens on things like text messages and all that sort of stuff as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's just sort of, I, I think as a, like a kid, like I would just let, they need to let people know. It's, it's the secrecy, I think, behind it that can really cause a lot of issues. And there's been research to show that, I mean, a parent's probably first reaction is to just say, that's it, cut off all technology. But even though you're cutting off the bullying, you're also cutting off the um, person's support network who may be there sort of helping them as well. So so cutting them off completely is um, is not always the best thing because you're, you're, you're also cutting off that support network. Yeah, you're isolated. So, yeah, even further. Okay. And, yeah, it's just um, it's just having letting people know that it's going on. I think is the, the most important thing. And if it is becoming an issue, like even as an adult, like just yeah, I, I just recommend blocking and just even maybe just taking a break and getting out and meeting your friends in person and just getting offline a bit and and actually spending some time in the real world um, because ah. it can. It can suck you in otherwise and yep. you, you start to become almost addicted to seeing what they're saying and, you you know, you don't need that. And often with things like trolling and bullying, they're only doing it for a reaction. That's, and there's been research into trolling to say that that's the main motivation of them is they want to get a reaction from the person they're doing it to. So if you don't give them that, then they do, in the end, they, they give up because they're not getting what they want. Sure. Wow, good information. Very simple. Yeah, and it's, look, it doesn't work in every instance, but that's that's what, like, I've, from the research I've seen, that's what it's saying. Yeah, well, I mean, if those if those strategies are working, they work. But if those strategies don't work, then go and seek professional help, or yeah, yeah, or or talk to somebody. Who and knows it's against it's, it's against the law. You can't you can't actually do that. There are rules around that, and and um laws and legislation around that now. I love using that terminology. That's probably what I would yeah. write back to them. <laughs> you know this is against yeah. the law. <laughs> yeah. And leave it at that You're full in- stop. Yeah. I've had to do that yeah. before. You know, when when That's if if well if somebody says something homophobic to you on set, um, I just say now, you know that's against the law. Yeah, good now, on you. Now and they just shut up. Yeah. Doesn't never happens again. So yeah. it's just a 
a great way of doing it. Being being mean to anybody is against the law in my mind. Yeah, I'm, um, I don't understand what the point is. No, <laughs> not really. Do I. Neither do I, honey. But anyway, look, I know I, I've been short and rude, and probably someone would listening today say I've been mean to them at some point. But you know, it's it's not my drive. It's not what I aim to be. It's not what I aim to to share with other people. I prefer joy and experiences and happiness. Yeah. Anyway. And I think, look, we all, all have bad days, but yeah. I think it's like if you, I mean, I don't apologise. Like if I, I, yes. I, I know when I've been, you know, short or snippy, as I like to call it, and then I'll go, I'll go and apologise because it won't sit well with me. No, and same here. Good on you. No, that t- that's a big person that comes and apologises to you. I've had a few people do that in the biz, and I'm, yeah. and I say a few, but there's been a couple of very rude talent, and those three rude talent have turned around and come back and apologised. It's like, yeah, cool, no yeah. worries, and been great yeah. from then on. It's a big person that does that. I I tend yeah. I tend to uh, take liking to someone who has the courage to apologise. Yeah, me too. Good on you. So that sort of brings me, well, what I wanted to say too, because I don't think we talked about this earlier in the program, just so people don't think that you're some crazy woman <laughs> talking, <laughs> about, <laughs> talking about social business and, uh, and, and being a doctor. What, how did you get your doctorate? Okay, so I, I did it at Monash University, but my topic was, I, it was about helping non-profit organisations use social media to connect better with their donors and their volunteers. So it was, I did it over, I did it two years full-time, two years part-time. And yeah, so, and I, my, I used, I think six or seven different charities and I interviewed people within those charities who looked after the social media. Then I interviewed and surveyed their donors and volunteers. And then I came up with recommendations and things like that. So, yeah, it was it was really interesting, and it um now what I do because that was a while it was like quite like 2015 I graduated and you know no one is going to read my thesis which was fine but what I do now is every month I do a pro bono social media workshop for a nonprofit yeah and so then I can share some of the the things that I've learned through that research because I, I did it to actually help nonprofits and charities and things and. Yeah, so that's what I continue to do now just to make sure that I'm still doing that. Yeah, because I can see that young you when you went into that job, was it at Monash you were saying, and and, and you're a little bit, you were new at it and you had to live in, live there and I can see that person going, oh, no, 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 hang on, I've got a, I've got a budget for the first time and I've got staff to manage. I mean, so so your thesis on that would really help solve a lot of time and trouble and panic <laughs> yeah well it was not really around that but it was more so because that was sort of a, a job that I was doing but my mm. thesis was more um because when I got the job as the research communications manager I didn't I learned a lot about what research actually was and then it I, I sort of sparked my interest to actually do my own PhD and I didn't know what to do it on, but I'd worked at the at um, the Red Cross Blood Service and I was in Brisbane and that was before the days of social media. And from what I was reading, there was a lot of, um, uh, I guess, confusion around it. And so I thought, well, maybe if I did some research, I could actually help people in that sector. 
So, Good yeah. So, For sure. Yeah. Well needed. Yeah. So it was, it was really good. So when I look at what you're doing now, you're working. So there's, you, you've done a breakdown on your webpage. I see you, you've got like social media campaigns, content, engagement strategies, advertising, evaluation, and then you go into blogging and strategy and design and implementation and research. Yeah. So there's plenty of listeners here now that are going, I need help <laughs> with these yeah. things. And one of the things I will tell the audience is that I love about your webpage is that you have actually got prices on your webpage. People don't have prices on their webpage. Good on you. I, I mean, know. obviously it's a starting point, some of those prices. Yeah. And that you're well priced, let me tell you. So if anyone's looking for somebody to represent them or to educate them a little bit further... Um, you, you're a fantastic point of contact for them. Yeah, thanks. And I mean, it's with our agency as well, we're just about to launch. We've I've done a social media strategy course, mm-hmm. and we're just about to launch that. And so that's um, yeah, that I built that last year. So it's good. It's like seven modules, and it's go at your own pace. And you, by the end of it, you'll have a social media strategy for your business. And as part of it, you get a free social media coaching session with me and then I can guide you on how to put it into action. And then you also get free access. We've got an online community um, for digital marketing. So it's a Facebook group and you can um, have free access to that for 12 months and and ask questions and learn in there as well. And so for like the first 30 enrolments, it's the course is $295 and then it's going to go up to 700 after that. But with the um, the coaching session, the free coaching session, that's normally worth three hundred on its own. So it's um, yeah, so it's, it's it's good value. Well, good on you. And, and well, obviously, yeah, go on. I'm cutting you off. Oh yeah. Oh no, that's okay. And yeah, so and so we're just we've partnered with the Academy of Mindfulness for that. So yeah, so that's really exciting. That's one thing we're on offer because we find our our agency prices aren't always in the right. You know, it's not always great for like we're particularly when you're starting out as a small business that sort of investment. But mm. uh, the course will help. So and the course is much more accessible. Absolutely, for sure. Like when I read those things, I go, oh yeah, I probably need some help there, there, there. Yep, okay. So I'm employing Karen at some point. Fantastic. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, look, and it, it if you're in business, it's pretty frightening. So to have somebody that can actually assist and help and prop you up, it's it's so good, isn't it? Especially if you're on your own doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of our, what about one of the things that we do is we sell these sort of coaching packages, and so a lot of our the clients that we have they they're really competent but they don't have the time to sit down and work out how to do certain things yep. on social media and so we have these packages where we meet once a month and then I can give them feedback on what they did for the month we can plan for the next month I can tell them about all the changes that have happened on in social media because it changes every day as you know and then uh, we I can teach them anything that they want to learn in that sort of hour as well and because it's only an hour a month, like it, it doesn't eat up a lot of their time, but they and it keeps them on track as well. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. It gives them the confidence, helps them sleep better at night. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's not so overwhelming. It's like you've got a guide to sort of take you through it. Absolutely, so, yeah. and a guide that's you know had 
all this experience, understands space and business and and security and, you know, bullying and privacy. One thing we didn't touch on was addiction. Is, is that the most boring question you ever get asked? What about addiction and, and social media? Because, like, I know people that are on their phones for work all day yeah. and then they get home and yeah. they're on their phones playing games and then they watch yeah. the TV and then they go off and play Xbox. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it, it's the thing, and the thing is, the the platforms and the apps are designed to keep you on there. Um, they give you like a dopamine hit, and even like Instagram. If the more time you spend on Instagram, if you're posting as well, you're it rewards you by showing your content to more people. So it's actually a, a real thing that people are getting uh, addicted because they're getting rewarded for staying on there, and it's not until you you consciously say, I'm going to put my phone down and not touch it for an hour that you realise how many times you actually think about it. Um, you know, some people are highly addictive. So my advice for that is to be a bit more uh, mindful and um, in thinking about the intention of why you're using it. So rather than just picking it up to pass the time and scrolling, actually searching for something in particular and then applying it offline. So, for example, thinking, okay, I'm going to cook something really good, find a recipe on there and then go and do it. Or I'm going to learn a new skill and then actually do it. So there's so many how-to videos that you can learn new things and actually go off. You can. There's so many great travel things where you can actually go and visit places. And so rather than using it to take up your offline, you know, your everyday life, like use it to enhance your offline life. Yeah. So being, you know, thinking about, you know, being a bit more task oriented when you're on there rather than using it just to, to pass the time. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, one of the things I think about is what else could I be doing right now? What am I missing out on? What skills am I missing out on? What, yeah. what personable skills am I missing out on? Who am I not paying attention to? Do I need to walk the dog? <laughs> yeah. Do I need to train my dog? Um, yeah. Things like that. Well, I don't want to be missing out. So I actually have this, if I'm on my phone, I go, uh, let's say two hours a day. Yeah. And that's it. And that's still a lot. For me, yeah. that's For me, that's a lot, two hours a day. But yeah, set yourself some goals. Well, that's a really good one. Good strategy. Yeah. Look up a recipe. Yeah. Go cook it. Learn how to train your dog. Go be, train it. I mean, social media should be a tool to enhance what you're already doing to in, like improve your life, not actually become your life. Yep. So she says, whose business is all about? No, I'm only joking. Like people in the media, we love. We have to. We have to be in touch with. Yeah. What is, you know? So I have to learn how to use all this um, iPad, iPod stuff, and edit it, mm. and that's all online. You know, and that's all yeah. online. And then you've got your phone, and then you've got. Uh, work but and then you, you know what like you're actually doing it to yeah. produce something you're not just you're actually creating content which is very different to just sitting there and looking at everyone else's and you know you're actually using it as a form of creativity and that's completely different and that's 
that's the point I was making, says you, who's now made a business out of it, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we're, and, and it's also, I mean, and I even approach it in that way to help, like, business owners who, because they don't have to spend all of their time on it either. So mm. thinking of ways that they can get maximum effect without just taking up their whole life. Yeah. And even teaching my students at the university around using it, social media, to, to work for you, not actually just taking over everything. Yes. So, yeah. No, that's what I say to gamers that are professional gamers. Go and learn how to, mm-hmm. if you're really into gaming that much, then get on the game for sure, but then go and learn how to program them or yeah, set up a podcast that um, you can talk about gaming on and actually turn it around into something really constructive rather than just yeah. sitting there playing games all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just not worth it. So, And you're Absolutely. a fine, fine representation of that. Look at you go. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no, and congratulations. I'm so proud of you. Like two awards and bang, bang, a couple of years after each other. I mean, what's next? We do not know for you. It's, no. It's endless. That's the beauty of what you're doing, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's good. And, you know, I, I, I'm really lucky I get to um, I get to sort of deal with opportunities as they come. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, like I, that's the thing. I'm really lucky that I get offered great things to do and then I just run with it. So those days when I was much younger and had a lot of self-doubt, now I still have the self-doubt, but I don't let it stop me. I just do it and see what happens. Good on you. And that's the key, isn't it? Doing it. Just do it. So if you're, if you're, yeah. if you're blogging and you want to set up your blogging and you want to edit and you want to write and you want to learn about promoting and communication – Karen's got some really great strategies for you, particularly if you're in business. And you can contact Karen on her webpage, which is www.drkarensutherland.com. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And and, and I'm on um, Facebook. I'm on all the social channels as well. It's um, Dr. Karen Sutherland. You'll find me there. Yeah. And anyone can find Karen in my friends list on Facebook. So thank you so much for joining us today Karen Sutherland oh it was a pleasure and uh, hopefully look I hope to do a little bit more with you down the track because I have a few things that have come up for me while researching you so I'll, I'll share those with you another time and we'll see what we can implement but thank you so much for coming on today and I really hope our listeners get something out of our discussion today and you get a business that's growing and growing and growing for you congratulations uh-huh. Thanks, Julian. Speak to you soon. Lots of love. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. No worries. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.